Hey guys, welcome to day nine of the Inner Winner Show. I'm your host, Andy. As always, it'd be a little bit weird if I wasn't here, wouldn't it? So yesterday's episode was a little bit of a drag. Uh, My girlfriend Imogen and I dove into some pretty, I won't say dark, but some pretty negative topics. I think we both needed to do that to purge a lot of the negative, you know, feelings and, and thoughts that we've been having with this lockdown insanity recently. So today's episode is going to be a hell of a lot more positive. I'm going to go into some mental health tricks you can do when you're feeling a little depressed. I'm going to talk about a book that I always recommend and always talk about and never shut the hell up about uh, called You Can't Afford the Luxury of a Negative Thought. So we'll dive into that in a second. First, I want to say I started this 365-day project a couple of days ago, officially a couple of days ago, but today's technically day we on day eight or are we on day nine? I don't even bloody remember at this point. It's all the same, I suppose. Um, I've had a couple of other people join on as well, which has been freaking awesome. I will talk a little more about them probably on the next episode. Like I'll go into details. I'll, I'll name some of them, um, talk about what they're doing and how they're getting started and all that sort of stuff. But I've had one guy say that he's going to do, or a friend of mine, going to learn a new guitar lick every day, which is pretty damn cool. Another guy says he's going to reach out and email some potential clients one a day, every single day for the next 365 days. I think that'll absolutely blow him up. Like that's, that's fantastic. Do that for a year and Jesus Christ, like the amount of money making opportunities you would have. Another guy says he's going to wake up at 8am every time, every day, sorry, and never sleep in. That's a great one. Although I would question (laughs) what's going to happen if you miss your alarm. Is the entire 365 days a failure at that point? I guess you you can allow for some failures, can't you? Um, <clears throat> yeah, and a few other people. My girlfriend, as I said, has, has decided that she's going to do one piece of artwork every day. And I'm obviously doing this podcast every day, which is cool as hell. We will dive into some mental health tricks, as I said, to pick yourself up if you're feeling a little down. First, I want to talk about buffers. If you decide that you're going to do this 365-day project yourself, I would definitely recommend that you use what I call buffers. So sit down anytime you have some time and whatever it is you've decided to do every day, if it's a piece of artwork or a piece of content or something like that, build up a little buffer, like a little stockpile, I guess, of pre-recorded ones or pre-done artwork or whatever it is, have them ready to go. So it doesn't have to be a lot. Like when I did my 365 day photography project, I had probably like five to 10 little like built up photos that were already done, already ready to go. I could upload them like <clears throat> within like five minutes if I needed to. And you build up this stockpile in case you ever have a day where you just, you can't be bothered. Like you're super depressed or you're super busy or at one point in the project, my grandfather died. And so I had to fly across the country to go to his funeral we were there for like, you know, four or five days. No way in hell could I be bothered doing a photo at that point in time. And I was really, really, really glad that I had like five photos saved up, already done. And I could just post them like, you know, from my phone. <clears throat> so definitely do that if you're considering doing a 365. I said the same thing to my girlfriend yesterday because she was a little stressed. And she said, I just don't know how I'm going to do it if I have a, a really depressed day or a day where I can't be bothered. And I said, you know, just cheat, just build up a buffer, have like five or so of these artworks ready to go, and you can just post them when you're having a shitty day. So definitely use the buffer trick. Like there's no way in hell I could have got my photography project done, the 365 done, if I didn't have buffers. I I don't think it's possible. I mean, maybe it's possible, but you are going to have some like ridiculously low depressed days. I had food poisoning at one point in time, and I was basically bedridden. I vomited like you know, 10 or 15 times throughout the night, no way in hell could I sit down and do, you know, a big photo. Cause I put a lot of effort into my photos. I should say like, they were like, you know, six hours worth of Photoshop. They were like proper, like artistic pieces. It's not like I just snapped a photo. So if you're going for something big, definitely do buffers. Even if you're just going for something small and these buffers don't have to be exceptionally amazing. Like the photos that I had in my buffer, in my stockpile, were just like super quick photos that took me like half an hour to do each one. I've said the same thing to my girlfriend. Just sit down for like an hour and knock out like five pieces of artwork. They will literally just be quick sketches. They're going to be lazy as hell. And 
keep them in your stockpile for a rainy day. <clears throat> Her next question was then, oh, but I'd feel really bad. I'd feel really like ashamed of the artwork if I uploaded just like a piece of shit sketch that took me no effort. And so what you can tell yourself if that's one of your concerns is, okay, I won't upload them. Like I'll keep them in my buffer. Those are just there if the world falls apart, but I will still try and do one piece of artwork, one decent piece of artwork every single day. And I won't rely on the photos in my, the artwork in my buffer. That, that's what I had to tell myself too, because I had the same concern with my photography 365. I thought these photos in my stockpile are absolutely shit. I will feel really embarrassed if I upload these, but I don't have to upload these. I can do a photo every day. These are just if the world falls apart. And I kept a lot of photos. Like there are a lot of photos that I didn't upload because I didn't need them, but I was bloody glad that I had them just in case, like I said, something fall, you know, something goes wrong, a family member dies or you get put in hospital or something. You can always upload your photos or whatever it is from hospital, assuming you don't freaking get your arms chopped off. I'm really sorry if you have had your arms chopped off. Shout out to all the amputees out there. Yeah, so let's move on to <clears throat> mental health tricks. Because I've been super depressed since yesterday, obviously bringing up all the lockdown stuff. You know, when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back at you, as the saying goes. If you focus too much on the negative stuff, you will just start feeling miserable. I think we all kind of know that, but it's very easy to get caught up in negative stuff. And as I said yesterday, it's not like we were sitting there just dwelling on it. We, we kind of wanted to get it all out there into the world to put it on audio because um, Imogen hasn't really spoken about this stuff herself. She has to me, but she hasn't, you know, recorded how she feels. So I think that was a decent chance for her to do that. Get it all out there and then you can kind of move on, which is a, a trick. <clears throat> it's basically what counseling is to some degree. You're grieving, you're, you're airing all your grievances, you're getting out all your problems, you're putting them all on paper, so to speak. And then at that point you can say, okay, like I've let it all out. I've purged it all. I've vomited it all up. Now I can move on or I can start to move on and start to process it. So the first trick, all these tricks that I'm going to speak about are from the book that I keep going on about called You Can't Afford the Luxury of a Negative Thought. And if you haven't read that book, fucking buy that book right now. Like absolutely buy that book. I'll leave a link in the show notes to where you can get it. I've got a guide or a little like review <clears throat> on what the book is about and stuff like that. <clears throat> I really need to stop drinking coffee or milk before I do these. Milk always makes my throat a little tickly. Which is really not conducive to a good podcast, is it? So, yeah, read this book, buy this book. It's absolutely life-changing. I've recommended it to, like, hundreds of people at this point, maybe thousands. Like, I've been talking about it for the last, like, 10 years. And it really is a life-changing book. Like, really, 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 really especially if you're stuck in like negative thought patterns or, you know, you tend to dwell on the negative a little too much. This book helps write some of those negative thought patterns and get you into a, just a more positive mind frame, a more positive mindset. So the first trick that I'll pull from there is finding gratitude. And I'm sure gratitude isn't a, a, a new concept to a lot of you. Focusing on things that you're grateful for is probably the best way to turn a negative mindset into a positive one. So <clears throat> the book really rams this point home to you by, I'll spell out what this exercise is, and then I want you guys to pause this podcast, like literally hit pause, and then follow along with me and, and do what I'm saying to do. So first I'll tell you what to do, and then I'll tell you to pause it, and then I will step through myself doing that so you can kind of see what that looks like. Actually, maybe I'll do it the other way. I will, I'll tell you what it is, I'll do it myself, and then I'll tell you to pause and do it yourself. <clears throat> so what it tells you to do, what the book tells you to do is sit here, like right where you're sitting, sit up in bed if you're listening in bed, or stop what you're doing if you're walking somewhere. Like just stand still or sit still or lie still and look around the room or the environment or wherever it is that you are. If you're sitting on a train, look out the window or look around the, the train carriage and deliberately focus on things that are negative. So deliberately look around for reasons to be unhappy, for reasons to complain, for reasons to be miserable. Literally try and see the negative in everything. So <clears throat> right now where I am, I'm sitting out in the backyard of Imogen's mother's house. It's very freaking beautiful, but 
there's lots of bushland and trees and, and birds and there's a little I'm sitting next to a little duck pond. <clears throat> it's a very nice place. I can hear like chickens crowing. The chickens crow or is that roosters? What the fuck do chickens do? Actually, I'll tell you, I, we'll go a side deviation here. When I was a kid, <laughs> I had next door neighbors who had like a bunch of chickens. And I was a little asshole to these chickens. I have no idea why, but like me and the neighbor's kid would like fuck with these chickens, which is actually pretty sadistic in hindsight. We'd like throw sticks at them. I don't know why the fuck we did that. Like kids can be little assholes. And <clears throat> we fucked with these chickens for a really long time. And there was like 10 chickens that I used to like throw sticks at and like we'd taunt them. And one day these chickens decided they'd had enough. <clears throat> if any of you have ever played Legend, any Legend of Zelda game, you'll know exactly what happens if you keep hitting the chickens. It's kind of a meme in all those games that if you hit these chickens enough times, eventually they retaliate. And... <clears throat> God damn it. No more milk for me. <clears throat> Eventually they will retaliate. And they all kind of like swoop at you and attack you in this massive group. It's pretty fucking hilarious. Except it's not hilarious when you're like a seven-year-old or eight-year-old kid. I don't know how old I was. And a bunch of these fucking chickens do that in real life. So imagine me, this little kid. The chickens are probably like one third of my height, which is pretty big. <clears throat> and imagine like I'm... <clears throat> Okay, definitely no more milk. I'm taunting these kids, these these chickens, and they all just kind of like fucking turn on me, exactly like in the Legend of Zelda game. It's like like a fucking switch just flicks on, and they fucking swarm me. They're all flying, which I thought chickens couldn't fucking fly, but apparently they can. They're like pecking the shit out of me. My legs are like bleeding. I'm like screaming at the top of my lungs. Like the kid, the other kid just like runs inside because he's like, holy shit, like we're all going to die. This is the apocalypse of chickens. This is like the plague of chickens. This is like some Bible shit. And my legs are fucking bleeding. His mother comes out and she's all like panicking as well. And she's like trying to kick the chickens. They're all like jumping into like, they're jumping on the steps and then like swooping down at me. Like, I think I'm going to die at this point. Legs just like blood everywhere. She grabs me. She like yanks me inside. One of the chickens gets inside and keeps pecking me. I'm screaming because I like literally think like, oh my God, this is like the end of my life. She takes me inside. She like puts me in the shower to wash all the blood off and shit. She puts like 20 bandages on me and stuff like Jesus fucking Christ. So the moral of the story is don't ever go outside because there's chickens outside and that's dangerous. So just stay indoors at all times. So yeah, chickens. What the hell point was I making? I don't know. So I'm in nature. <laughs> I'm in nature. But we're going to do this exercise and think of all these negative things around me deliberately, just like the book tells you to. So as I look around, there's a frog in this pond that's making some sound. And my first thought is, well, that's fucking with this audio recording that I'm doing. Like, fuck this frog. Frogs are annoying. They don't do anything. They just sit there and make shitty tadpoles. What else can I be negative about? There's a tree in front of me that's like half dead. There's no leaves on it. It just looks depressing. We're in the middle of winter and that just makes me feel shitty. Like there's storm clouds on the horizon coming towards me, which makes me think, God damn it. Like the last five times I've done this podcast, I've been rained out. The same thing is probably going to happen. I can't go and sit inside and do the podcast because it's echoey and the room sounds like shit. And I don't particularly want Imogen's mother to be hearing like me yelling about all the stuff I'm yelling about. It's windy and this wind is fucking with the recording. It's making me feel cold. I can look at the sun and say this sun is going to give me skin cancer. It's too hot on my face. It's pissing me off because it's right in my eyes. I can look at the road and say, there's cars that drive past here, which is just annoying because it messes with the recording. What else can I be negative about? I can say we're right next to a forest and there's heaps of dangerous animals in forests and I can't go into the forest because I might die, so I'm stuck here. I can look across at the neighbor's house in the distance and say, well, you know, fuck neighbors, I wish I was alone, like I hate people right now, you know. I wish they weren't there. They're obstructing my view of the forest. They're getting me down. There's a car in the garage in front of me, probably like 
100 feet away, 30 meters away. And I can think like, God damn it, cars are just gas guzzling machines. They're ruining the environment. You know, however many hundreds of thousands of people die every year from car accidents. What a tragedy. We're going to war over oil and gas and all that sort of stuff in other countries. America has a horrible foreign interventionist policy. That gets me down. So I want you to pause at this point in time, literally pause the podcast after I finish this sentence, and I want you to look around where you are right now and think of a bunch of negative things that you, that like deliberately find negative things to get yourself kind of upset over. So pause the podcast and do that. All right. So hopefully you've done that. If you haven't, why have you forsaken me? Please pause the podcast and do that. And what you will find is exactly what I've just found right now. You start feeling negative. As you find all these reasons to be upset, you will literally make yourself feel upset. And five minutes ago, before I did this exercise, I was kind of feeling nice. Like I was sitting out here, the sun was on my face. There's a nice little pond with frogs in it. The trees are all around me. The wind is like blowing in my hair, even though I have literally no hair because I'm a bald motherfucker. But I'm talking about my facial hair and my pubic hair. But just doing this exercise made me feel 10 times worse. Like, I literally feel like a, like I have a heavy heart right now. I literally feel like shit. And if you have done the exercise, which you should, unless you're a very naughty boy or a very naughty girl, you will find that you're feeling kind of shit right now too. So what the book tells you to do next is sit in exactly the same spot or the same environment or be in the same area. And now your mission is to find things to be grateful for. So it works best if you look at the things that you previously said were negative, look at the exact same things. So I'm going to try and go through the exact same things that I just did. Bear with me if I skip, if I miss a few. But the first thing that I talked about was that frog and that fucking frog was ruining this recording. Now, if I think about the frog, I think frogs are kind of cute. I like their little legs. And when I think about frogs, I think about French people eating frogs' legs. And that kind of cracks me up because frogs' legs are the last thing that I would ever find appetizing. And I know French people don't sit around just eating frogs' legs all the time, but it does crack me up that different cultures eat different food. And some of the things that I eat, they would think are utterly insane, just like some of the things they eat, I think are utterly insane. So that kind of makes me smile. And then I look around at this dead tree in the distance, and then I think, that tree isn't dead. I think I was just framing it negatively before. Just because that tree doesn't have any leaves on it in winter, that just means it's not an evergreen tree. In summer or in spring, that tree will have a bunch of leaves on it, which is kind of beautiful when you think about it. Like something that looked dead will give rise to new life again. That's pretty beautiful. And there's a car that's just driving past right now as I speak. You'll hear it. And it's kind of nice that I'm right next to a road, which means that I get to go into town anytime I want to. I can go and buy food from the supermarket, which is kind of a beautiful thing because a lot of people throughout human history, most people throughout most of human history didn't have access to the kind of things we have access to, like supermarkets and the food distribution chain and all that kind of stuff. That, that's something to be wonderfully grateful for. And then I look out at the neighbors across the way in the distance and their house is really beautiful. It's this nice blue, like picturesque kind of house. I've seen the neighbors there a couple of times. They've waved to me one or two times, which is really sweet and polite of them. I like the idea of people carving out a little bit of nature. They're right in the middle of this forest. And a minute ago, I said that, that they're blocking the view of the forest, but no, they're not. They've kind of become part of the forest. They've amalgamated humans into nature. The two have kind of come together like yin and yang. And I think that's kind of beautiful. The forest that I'm looking at, yeah, there's lots of dangerous animals in there, but there's also lots of cute little critters. There's kangaroos and wallabies and koalas and wombats and kookaburra birds and all manner of other beautiful birds. I, I get to sit here and have my little piece of nature it really is beautiful, guys. Like, it really does look beautiful sitting here. The sun on my face, it warms my face. I literally feel better having the sun on my face versus, you know, dark, cloudy, overcast days. 
that's something to be very grateful for. Even the overcast days, I think that brings rain, which nurtures the environment, which grows the grass, which provides <clears throat> food to the plants. It lets farmers exist. Without rain, the farmers wouldn't exist. I wouldn't be able to get my food. It's kind of this beautiful ecosystem. So all these things were things that I was negative about five minutes ago, and I literally used them as reasons to kind of reinforce or generate negative feelings and depression, essentially. And now those very same things, if I just flip it and change the script and frame it more positively, those things are now things to be grateful for. So I want you to do the same. Pause this podcast now. Go through all the things that you were five minutes ago very negative about, the things that you literally used to get yourself depressed, and frame them in a positive way. Find something to be grateful for. You might have to do a little bit of digging. It might take you a couple of minutes to sit there and think of something. Some of the things that you come up with as reasons to be grateful and positive might sound a little like kooky or insane. You might really have to dig really deep. Like sometimes it is hard to find things to be grateful for. But the point of this exercise is if you can find something negative, something to be negative about, you can also find something to be positive about. So pause the podcast, do that, and then we'll continue. All right, so you should have done that. And you're most likely finding that the same things that made you feel negative now make you feel pretty damn good. And your overall mood should be 20 times nicer than it was before. Even if some of the things that you came up with as positive reasons were just like complete, like you pulled them out of your ass, like complete stretches. You really had to, you know, stretch the truth a little. Like that's completely fine. The point is that this is essentially what's known as cognitive behavior therapy or CBT. And that just means reframing things. If you have a negative thought or if you're starting to feel depressed or down about something, you can literally just pause and say, no, stop. I'm being negative. Can I think of something to be grateful for in regards to this thing that's making me feel negative? Can I flip it? Can I come up with some reason why this isn't all negative? And even if there's 50 negative reasons surrounding the thing that you're down about, if you can find one reason to be positive or one possible benefit or, you know, find the silver lining in it, if you can just state that to yourself, that's the first step to overcoming these negative thoughts. And if you're someone who gets caught up in these negative thought patterns and you tend to be a very negative person, you might have to practice this like 10 or 20 times a day. When I was very depressed many, many, many years ago, I was just a very negative person all the time about any little thing. I would always find a reason to be negative. I would always find a reason to complain. And somebody would tell me some positive news like, I don't know, like, oh, have you heard so-and-so is having a baby? And my immediate answer would be, oh, well, that sucks. Babies shit everywhere and they vomit everywhere and that's going to be a lot of work. And they're probably, now that they're having a baby, they're not going to be able to go outside as much. They're not going to be able to see their friends as much. Like what a negative shitty answer to someone has had a baby. Someone has literally created life. And so at that point in time, like when I started addressing my negativity, I had to practice this stuff like hundreds of times a day. Like I became obsessed with turning negative thoughts into positive ones. And it really may take you hundreds or thousands of repetitions before you stop being an automatic negative person and start being an automatic positive person. Like you really do have to brainwash yourself and overcome this habit. Because if you have a habit of negativity, it is just that, it is a habit. You've built it up, it's become the default. And so you are now going to have to build a habit of positivity or at least of flipping the negative into the positive. And now that doesn't mean you never have negative thoughts. I have a million negative thoughts a day. You will always have negative thoughts. They will always be automatic. They are what, no, what is known as intrusive thoughts, which means they intrude on your thought process. You don't have any control over them, but what you do have control over is what you do with them. So I have these negative thoughts hundreds of times a day, but I've built up such a habit of as soon as I hear that negative thought, I immediately go, all right, what's a positive thought? Like, and that's basically automatic at this point. It has been for probably like eight or nine years at this point. As soon as I have a negative thought, I immediately switch and go, all right, what's, a, what's, a, what's the silver lining here? How can I look at this positively instead of negatively? What's one positive aspect that I can draw from this 
so that I don't feel completely like shit. So do that. Practice that many, many, many times a day, as often as you can. Anytime you catch yourself being negative or anytime you start spiraling into those negative thought patterns and you start going more and more negative. Um, I do this with my girlfriend multiple times a day. She's someone who in the past has been very, 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 very negative and always seen the negative in things and kind of gotten caught up in these thought loops of going deeper and deeper into negativity and only seeing the negative. And over the last probably three months or so, maybe six months, she's gotten very, very, very good at challenging these thoughts. And that's what we call it. We call it literally a challenge. So she will have a negative thought and I'll say, okay, what's a challenge that you can give towards that? How can you challenge that? Like put up a fight, fight back, challenge that negative thought, and let's see if we can find some positives. And the first few times or the first 50 times I tried this with her, she couldn't find any positives. She was just really stuck in the negativity. She said, there's nothing positive here. This is just a shitty situation. So I had to kind of help her and come up with some positives. And some of them were a real stretch. Like I had to pull these positives out of my ass and basically invent something. But over time we got, or she got a lot better at automatically finding these positives and now she does it all the time she will express something negative to me and she'll say okay i know i'm being negative here's a positive way i could be looking at that and she does this pretty much automatically at this point every now and then i might have to remind her just like when you start this yourself you may slip into negativity a few times and not automatically challenge it with a positive thought it will take you a bit of practice to build this into a habit but if you keep practicing eventually you will get decent at this it will become automatic like a pavlovian response like a knee-jerk reaction sort of thing you'll have a negative thought and you automatically go okay what's a positive thought how can i reframe this so that's that's the first one the second trick that i will pull from this book again the book is you can't afford the luxury of a negative thought I have a link in the show notes to where you can buy it. The second trick is what the author calls zooming out. I'm just going to wait for this car to go past. In a weird way, I kind of like that the cars go past here. It's like it remind it pulls me out of this podcast because I get kind of like when you're recording a podcast or doing any activity really you kind of go very deep on it you get like tunnel vision and you get stuck in there and you forget that like the outside world exists so it's nice to have that reminder on the outside it's kind of like an lsd trip if any of you guys have ever tripped on lsd or weed or you know mushrooms or anything like that you tend to like get tunnel vision and you forget the outside world exists and then when someone pulls you out it's it's kind of nice in a weird way it's like, oh yeah, I forgot the outside world was there. What a nice reminder. At some point I will talk about my LSD trips because I've done like 50 of them at this point and they've been like life-changing for me. Probably most of the self-improvement projects and the missions that I've worked on and the success I've had has been like initiated by LSD. Like LSD has been the catalyst. So I'll talk about that at some point. Maybe I'll get Imogen on to talk about some of her LSD trips as well, because the same sort of stuff. She's dealt with a lot of her biggest problems through LSD trips, and she's had some of her biggest ever epiphanies through LSD. So the second trick is this, this concept of zooming out. So basically, when you're stuck in a negative thought, or when you're feeling a little overwhelmed, just like I was yesterday, and like Imogen was yesterday when we were talking about all the negative stuff, or the lockdown negativity and all that, you can zoom out. So what you do is you picture yourself, you picture like you imagine yourself as like separate from your body. Like you've been cut off, like you're having an outer body experience and you picture yourself. You first start by picturing, picturing yourself in your own head and you can clearly see your own thoughts. You can see that you're being negative. You can see that you're feeling overwhelmed you can see that it feels like the world is closing in on you and it's all hopeless and you're depressed and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then you zoom out a little bit. So you are, you imagine that you are seeing yourself, you're just, you know, a couple of inches above your head, but you're outside your body now. And you're kind of looking in, like you're peering in at someone sitting in a zoo or something, an animal in at the zoo. You imagine that you're that animal and you're looking at your own body and your own head and your own thought processes. And you can kind of see what's going on inside that head of yours but you're distancing yourself a little bit. You sit there and you really analyze those thoughts 
and you kind of detach from them. This is similar to what meditation is, or good therapy is you detaching from your feelings and taking a look at your thought processes and your brain and your negative thoughts and all of that stuff and not attributing any emotions to them, just seeing them cold and clinical and detached and trying your best not to get too upset about those thoughts. That That's easier said than done. It might take you a little practice, just like a lot of this stuff. You don't get it on the first try. If you do a good job, you're a superhero. It took me hundreds of, t- of, of tries of doing this, which is why I always recommend people come back to the book and keep reading it over and over again and, you know, come back to it every few weeks and try a different activity. Try some, there'll be some of these that don't work for you and then you'll try them again in future and you just suddenly get it and they work. Then the next step is to detach a little more and zoom out a little more. So imagine that you are outside of your room right now, looking in at yourself, sitting on the bed, or, you know, if you're sitting on a train, imagine you're down, you know, sitting in another seat, watching yourself. And you're watching this guy or this girl, whoever you may be, or this non-binary, cisgendered, agender, attack helicopter person. And... You are watching this person and you're kind of seeing yourself even more detached and you're looking at the emotions on your face and you're kind of wondering what you might be thinking. What is that person thinking? But you wouldn't really dive too deep on this person, right? Like this is just a person sitting in a room. You don't know if they're having any any negative thoughts. It's too, It's kind of too hard to tell. Maybe you can get some indication based on their body language and their expression and stuff like that. But you really are detached from their from their thought processes and their negativity. And from your point of view, if you're in a reasonably decent mood as this person looking in at this other person, you're not really feeling negative. And just because someone else sitting on a train or sitting in a room or walking down the street is feeling negative, you wouldn't feel negative. That person wouldn't really affect you too much. Like you're living your own life There is this whole other world going on outside of that person. And just because they are stuck in a negative thought process doesn't mean that you would be. So then the next step is to zoom out even more. Like maybe you're zoom, so you zoom up. So imagine yourself, imagine you're flying in the air 50 feet above your house or the train carriage or the street or like wherever you currently are right now. Imagine that you're completely detached from your body. You're floating in the air, looking down at the house with you in it. At this point, you can't even see your own negativity. You can see houses in the distance. You can see the whole house or the whole train carriage or whatever it is. And you can kind of see the rest of the world getting on with the job of existing. You can't really tell that you're sitting there in that room or that train carriage depressed because you've got like a bird's eye view of the whole situation. Zoom out even more at this point. Imagine you're another 500 feet in the air. Now you can see the whole street. You can see cars coming and going. You can see people walking their dogs. You can see trains going on the train lines. You kind of have a sense of how this is all interconnected and you can see that the world is just operating as normal. You you absolutely, at this level of Zoom, cannot tell that there's someone sitting in a house depressed. You just can't see them. Zoom out even more now. Close your eyes and imagine that you are a couple of kilometers or a few miles above the surface of the earth. At this point, you can see the entire city. You can see all the trains, all the cars. Maybe you can't even see the cars. You can just see big blocks of land. You can see where there's cities. You can see where there's bushland and woods. You can see the oceans and the lakes. At this point, you have a much more detached view of everything that's going on and you can kind of you can't even make out the people at this point there could be 500 to a thousand people in the area that you're looking at some of those people will be depressed some of those people will be happy some of those people will feel okay some won't some will be in love some won't some will be heartbroken some will be miserable some will be absolutely ecstatic some would have just gotten a promotion at work some would have just gotten fired some people will be thinking of suicide some people will be bringing new life into this world You have a very detached view of the world at that point in time, and you absolutely are so fucking far away from your current feelings of depression. And your negative thoughts, they don't even matter at this Zoom level, 
right? Like you're so far away that they literally don't exist. You can't see them. You can't see your current negativity. Zoom out even more. Imagine you are several thousand kilometers away. You can see the earth. You can see everything there. You can't even tell individual cities at this point in time. I want you to really close your eyes and picture what the earth would look like. You know, eight or nine billion people sitting there, living their lives, and you can't see any of it. You know that it exists. You know that there's life going on. You know that the earth is spinning and that it's rotating around the sun. You know all of these things. And at this point, you are so completely detached from all of it. You don't have any value judgments on human suffering. You almost don't even know that there are people suffering at this point because you can't see it. You don't know that there's people that are happy. You don't know any of those things because you're so far out. Zoom even further now. Keep your eyes closed. Zoom even further. Imagine you're now so far out that you can see the entire solar system. You can barely make out Earth. You can make out the sun, but it's kind of a little small circle. And at this point, all the problems of Earth fade away. There literally are no problems of Earth at this view level. Nothing matters. Like absolutely nothing matters. And I don't mean that in a nihilistic way. I mean that in a very freeing, beautiful way. All of the problems, all of the suffering, all of the things that were getting you down don't matter. The earth rotates around the sun. All of the other planets rotate around the sun. They're just doing their own thing, completely oblivious to any suffering that may be going on. The suffering doesn't matter. Like those planets are going to keep, reg- keep rotating regardless of what happens. Zoom out even more. At this point, you can't even make out the solar system. You're so far out that you can just see the Milky Way galaxy. Hundreds of billions or trillions of little solar systems in there with a ridiculous number of planets and stars and all of that sort of stuff. Black holes. Actually, we only have one black hole. And at this level, you can't, <laughs> you can't even find our solar system at this level. Like, good luck finding it at this level. All you can see is this beautiful, like, milky cloud of a ridiculous number of stars. And the problems of any of those stars don't even matter at this zoom level, let alone the problems on Earth. I want you to keep your eyes closed at this zoom level and just watch it. If you can picture it, just watch it. Watch it just doing its own thing, completely its own agenda, its own path, its own preordained, if you want to if you believe in determinism, preordained path that the universe is on right now. It doesn't really care how negative you are. It doesn't really care that you got laid off at work or that your best friends stopped talking to you or that girls keep rejecting you. None of those problems matter to the universe. Imagine that you are this universe. That's why we've been zooming out, to get you to, in a way, empathize, to put yourself in the shoes of each of these zoom levels. And I'm trying to get you to do this, or the book gets you to do this, so that you can forget about your problems, so that they literally don't matter anymore. And when you're out at this Zoom level, I want you to open your eyes right now and think about all the problems that were getting you down just five or 10 minutes ago. None of those really matter as much now, do they? Like, they really don't. All the things that I was sad about five minutes ago all the lockdown laws and people being insane and my depression, none of that really matters because to some extent, the universe doesn't really give a fuck about my problems. And that's not meant to be nihilistic. It's not meant to be depressing. It's meant to be wonderfully freeing. If the universe doesn't give a fuck about my problems, that means that these problems aren't all encompassing. They're not as bad as I thought they were. It's not the end of the world that I'm depressed. It doesn't matter that I'm depressed. And in fact, most other people on this earth don't give a fuck that I'm depressed. They really don't. This depression isn't that important. It just isn't. I'm not as important as I thought I was. And even though I think I'm the center of my own world, and maybe I am, maybe I am the main character in my movie, I'm not important to everybody else's movie. And I am not important to the universe. I'm not important to this earth. I'm really not. Even the biggest movers and shakers like your Elon Musks or Genghis Khan's or Hitler, like all the people who've radically changed the Earth's history, they will not matter in the grand scheme of things. At some point they will die. At some point history will forget them. 
at some point the earth will cease to exist. So all of the problems that you have right now will go away at some point. They are all temporary. Your depression is temporary. The problems that you think are ruining your life are temporary. It's that saying, this too shall pass. And it will. Pause the podcast. I want you to have a think about everything I just said. Go back and re-listen to it. It's raining out here, so I have to go back inside. But this is a great point for you to have a little think before I continue. It's actually not raining that heavily out here. It's kind of just spitting and drizzling a bit. So I'll keep recording. If it gets heavier, I'll, I'll hit pause and go back inside. So there might be a bit of an abrupt pause at some point. But whatever, we'll roll with the punches, seeing as though we're in a positive frame of mind right now. And I've been negative every previous episode when I've gotten rained out. I'll try and think of a positive right now. <clears throat> I already did before when I talked about the rain, but here's a positive right now. And remember that I said some of these positives, when you think of them, you may have to kind of like brainwash yourself into thinking of something positive. You may have to do some like absolute mental gymnastics to think of a positive. So here's one. It's actually fucking hilarious that every time I have gone outside in the last week to do a podcast, it has started raining. I've had several hours of sunshine in the lead up to each podcast, and then as soon as I go outside, it starts raining. So the positive is, that's kind of fucking funny. It's like Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go wrong. So maybe the universe is having a big cosmic joke, and it's trying to to send me a message and say, ha ha. Every time you go outside, I'm going to make it rain, bitch. That's funny. So look look how much I've just had to mentally gymnastics my way into that one just to find a positive. But that made me smile. Like just imagining the universe making this stupid joke at my expense is actually kind of... It makes me feel a little better. It's funny. It really is funny. So let's think of another positive at this point. Sorry, let's think of another technique that we can use from the book. So the next technique is very similar to the zooming one. But instead of zooming, you, instead of zooming physically, you zoom forward in time. So whatever it is that's currently getting you down right now. So for me, it would be the lockdowns and my depression that's, that's come about because of being locked down, not being able to go outside without a mask and, and not being able to travel and all that sort of stuff. So you zoom forward in time. You say... In one month, will this still matter? Now, one month from now, absolutely, this will still matter to me. I will still be in lockdown. The masks will still be a thing. I have no doubt that that will continue until probably like March next year is my estimate based on everything the government is saying. Could even be longer than that. Now you fast forward to three months. In three months, will this matter? Okay, it'll still matter, but I think if I'm honest... In three months, I will feel a little better about the situation. Even if I'm still in lockdown, I will still be depressed, but I would have figured out more ways to be positive. I will be three months along with this podcast, which will make me feel a lot happier and in a much better situation. I'll probably be a little better off financially. So yeah, things will be a little better in three months. It won't matter as much. Will this matter in six months? Okay, in six months, we might not even be in lockdown. Like, we'll probably be in some form of lockdown. Masks might be mandatory, but I think by that point, people will stop giving a fuck about the masks. They'll realize that COVID is massively overblown. They're already realizing that in every other country, pretty much. So this won't matter as much in six months. Now you fast forward even more. Will this matter in one year? Okay, if I'm honest, in one year, like, you know, August, September 2021, this probably won't matter that much. There will still be some freaks wearing masks and thinking that COVID is going to end the world, you know, like doomers. And they literally think like, this will be the end of human civilization. Like a few people will be like that, but the vast majority of people are going to be normal people who are sick of this. And we'll go back to some semblance of normality. The borders in my country will probably be open so I can get the fuck out. So in a year, this won't matter as much. Then you fast forward even more. In two years, will this matter as much? Okay. Okay. If I'm honest, in two years, no, this won't matter as much. 
I think people would have been over COVID at that point. They would have gotten sick of it. They would have understood that like governments have lied to us. This has been a huge fucking scam and a massive mismanagement. History will look back and say like, all right, like this was a mistake in the same way that we had a bit of a freak out about SARS. We had a huge freak out about the AIDS epidemic. Um, we had a huge freak out over September 11 and the Patriot Act and terrorism and all that kind of stuff. History will show that this wasn't that big a deal. Look at that. The sun has come back out right now. How fucking beautiful. I really love when the sun comes out and you have like sunlight through. There's still little bits of rain falling down. We don't have any rainbows here, which sucks, but it looks really picturesque when you have those rays of sunlight coming through little droplets. It's really beautiful. So we'll keep going. Zoom out even further at that point. Will this Sorry, zoom ahead even further at this point. Will this matter in three years? Okay, with the lockdown example, in three years, I really don't think this will matter that much. In three years, the borders to other countries will probably be open. I would be ridiculously surprised if they're not. I understand that there will be all sorts of fucked up rules and regulations, just like in America, the TSA brought in all sorts of ridiculous regulations and body searches and cavity searches and x-ray screenings and stupid shit that hasn't actually been proven to do anything after 9-11. I understand there will be permanent repercussions. People will probably always need to wear masks forever. I will find a medical exemption or some reason not to wear a mask and I will get around that. As I've said in the past, the masks are my line in the sand. I will never wear a mask ever for my entire existence as a human being. That's just not something I'm ever going to do. That's my line in the sand. I'm willing to die over that. That's one of my principles. I said that back in like March, I will never wear a mask. Yeah, so I'll find a way around it. Zoom ahead even further. In five years, will this shit matter? Okay, no, absolutely not. In five years, masks probably won't be that big a thing. There'll be enough people that get around mask mandates and, you know, even at airports and on planes and shit. We will go back to some semblance of normality. I don't believe we will ever go back to the normal that we had. I think we are way past that point. Just like after September 11 in the US, like airline travel was never the same. So maybe social distancing will be something, which by the way, I hate that term social distancing. It's really called being a freak or being a germaphobe or standing several meters away from everyone because you're scared. So let's start calling it that. Maybe we can call it anti-social distancing because it's very fucking anti-social. Yeah, in five years, none of this shit will matter at all. Like at all. Zoom even further ahead, 10 years. Will this matter? Fuck no. I'll be out of this shithole country. Probably living in the US in one of the southern states. I will be traveling all around the world with my girlfriend Imogen. We will be digital nomads working anywhere we want, traveling around, doing whatever we want, being friends with whomever we want, eating whatever food we want. If we get sick of a country or a, a city, we will just move immediately and go somewhere else. None of these issues will matter. These will just be a rough period in my life, you know, for a year or a couple of years. And you will look back and go like, yeah, no, that wasn't that big a deal looking back. It was at the time. And I don't ever want to go through that again. But like, I'm in a much better place now. You know, I'm stronger because of the experience. And that didn't really matter. So I want you to pause the podcast again at this point. <clears throat> go through and... Pick something that you're very negative about, something that's been getting you down. It works especially well if it's something that's been bothering you for quite some time or something you're very depressed about or very pissed off about or can't seem to move past. And try this zooming forward trick and picture it first start with one month ahead, three months ahead, six months, one year, two years, three years, five years, then 10 years. You can even do like 20 or 30 years if you want and keep asking yourself the question, Will this matter in, you know, X amount of time? So pause, try that and see how you go. All right, we're back. So that should have made you feel a lot better. As I said, I feel a hell of a lot better thinking about my life in six months or a year or three years or five years. Sometimes we get very caught up in the current circumstances that we develop this like helplessness or this myopic, like short-sighted view of the current situation in the current world. It's very easy to think what I'm currently experiencing will go on forever. This will never end. This depression will never end or these life circumstances will never end or 
you know, if, if you don't have a lot of money, maybe you'll think I'll always be poor. I'll never have enough money to pay my bills. I, I myself have had that negative thought probably for the last five years. I've always been someone who's been very poor. I have a lot of debt at the moment still. I can't, I, I can almost afford to pay all my bills. Hopefully this podcast will help. And so I sometimes, I quite often, probably every three days, probably every two days, I'm very depressed and I think I will never be able to pay all my bills. It's like this hopeless feeling of like, it's all hopeless. I'll never get there. And so zooming ahead is one of the biggest tools that I've had to combat that. Because if you let this hopelessness or this depression or whatever it is, these negative thoughts overwhelm you, it's very easy to self-sabotage and to just sit there and say, it's hopeless, so I shouldn't even try. So I've had to use these tools relentlessly for the last like probably two or three years. And zooming forward is probably the best one that I've had where I think like, okay, I work backwards when I do that. So what I first think is, okay, in 10 years, will I be able to pay my bills? Absolutely. Of course I will. I think we can all agree this podcast, my website, my endeavors, my missions, all the stuff that I'm doing, my forums, you know, my self-help websites, they will absolutely help me pay the bills in 10 years. It's impossible that I won't have grown to a point where I have enough clients, I have enough coaching clients, I see enough people that I won't be able to pay my bills. That's just inevitable. If you work on any business for 10 years, any business, no matter what it is, no matter how niche it is, if you just don't quit in 10 years, you will absolutely be able to, at the very least, pay your fucking bills. So 10 years will will get me there. Would five years get me there? If I think practically, yeah, five years will definitely get, of course it will. Five years is pretty much guaranteed as well. Would three years get me there? Yeah. Like I'm already more than halfway there. I'm probably three quarters of the way there. I need to do another budget at this point in time. It's been about a month since I did my last budget, but I'm pretty sure I'm about 75% of the way there. Would one year get me there? That one's a little more uncertain, but I think if I'm honest, yeah, like I'm doing this podcast every day. I'm pouring my heart and soul into it. It's amateurish at the moment, which is what happens when you start any endeavor. I will figure out the, I will iron out the kinks. I will make this better and better over time. I will eventually, I don't know if I get a sponsorship. I would rather not because I don't, I, I like keeping my content, so to speak, like ad free and I don't have any ads on my website. I will never put ads on my website. Podcast may be a a different issue because I know that I think most people expect a podcast to be monetized. They kind of expect an ad or a sponsor or something. So I'll have a think about it. I would also consider running this podcast on donations if people wanted to, but I I don't want to push people. I made a joke in yesterday's podcast at the end of it saying, ah, you should all give me money. That was a joke because I feel very uncomfortable with the idea of asking for money. So the way that I deal with that discomfort is by making a silly joke and saying, ha you should all give me money. But the truth is that makes me a very, it's a very uncomfortable proposition for me to ask people for money. And that has been one of the hardest parts of my website. And probably the reason that I, well, definitely the reason that I can't pay my bills right now. I've had a ton of feedback and a ton of people telling me to go all in and say, they've told me like, you need to monetize your blog. You need to monetize your products. You need to write an ebook and sell it. You need to lock off some of the content on your website behind a paywall. You need to ask people for money. You need to get more comfortable with the idea of making money from your blog because you've said that is your goal. So you need to do it. But I've always held back because I hold this, I'm holding, desperately holding onto this notion that if I just keep the content free, eventually enough people will enjoy it that they will give me money in other ways. As in, they will pay me for coaching so I can get paid to help them. They will donate money, which I've already had something like $300 worth of just straight up donations. Like people just straight up sending me money on PayPal and saying, bro, I really like your content. I like the fact that you don't monetize it. Here's a few hundred dollars to say thank you, which like, Jesus Christ, you can't imagine how like warming that is how how like that some of the donations have almost brought me to tears i'm not gonna even lie like i sound like a giant pussy i don't give a fuck like when you wake up in the morning and you see that someone sent you 50 fucking dollars with no thank you note attached no shout out they haven't sent you a message they've just sent you 50 fucking dollars like and to the point where you think like is this a mistake like why did i just get 50 like you have no idea how beautiful that feels I'll bring it back to the main point, which is, yeah, I'm not all in on earning money. 
I'll have a think about how I want to monetize the podcast. I'm more comfortable monetizing the podcast because like I said, I think people expect that from a podcast, but I like the idea of keeping my blog and my website and my forums as ad-free and money-free as possible and figuring out other ways to pay my bills. It's very self-sacrificial and I'm not trying to be a martyr and maybe I'm being an idiot because I'm shooting myself in the foot and I would be in a much better position to help other people if I could pay my bills. So I would benefit from being more selfish and asking for money or monetizing content or selling content or, you know, getting a sponsor or putting ads on my website, any of that. I would, that would actually benefit the readers and the listeners much more, but whatever. I'm a stubborn motherfucker. When I have an idea or a principle, I don't compromise on it or I rarely compromise on it, I should say. Just like the mask thing, I will never wear it. That's not something I will ever compromise on. I will die before I will put a mask on. So yeah, I'll have a think about it. Yeah. Now I've lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Podcasts are fun. I'm sure I had a good point there somewhere. This is why you need a guest. Because your guest can like remind you of what you were talking about and bring it back. Let's tie it in to imperfections and giving yourself permission to suck. I just lost my train of thought. You could say that I had some uncomfortable silences, though I didn't particularly feel uncomfortable during those. (sighs) If you start this 365 project like what I'm on, you are going to have a lot of imperfect moments, just like I just did then. On a podcast, I think your biggest fear with a podcast is having dead air, like silence. Just like if you were a stand-up comedian, your biggest fear would be nobody laughing when you say a joke or like bombing and just having awkward silence. Your biggest fear as a content creator is nobody reading it or nobody clicking that like button or nobody sharing it or nobody even acknowledging your existence. If you're a guy who's trying to sort out his dating and his sex life, your biggest fear is that you will walk up to a girl and not that she'll reject you, but she will, obviously that's a fear too, but that she will completely ignore you and you won't exist. Life is full of imperfections. Life is full of uncomfortable silences. Life is full of awkward moments. Part of the benefit of this 365 that I'm doing and that I'm encouraging all of you to do is that it forces you to sit in those uncomfortable moments and deal with those imperfections and be okay with them. It really is a form of letting go and acceptance. It's a very Buddhist philosophy. This idea that you won't always be perfect, things won't go according to plan, you will fuck up a million times and the only way that you will ever get to success, you will ever get to your goal, is literally by fucking up a million times. You cannot improve your dating or sex life without getting rejected hundreds of times. You cannot build a website without putting out hundreds of articles that barely get read. You cannot get a promotion or you cannot get a better job without applying to a bunch of places that just ignore you. You cannot get more clients without applying to a bunch of people who never read your email. These things are inevitable and you have to embrace them and almost make them your mission. Like if you're going to go and hit on girls, you almost need to seek out rejections and say, okay, I need to get rejected 500 times and that will literally guarantee that I have a girlfriend or get laid, whatever it is. You don't even need 500, that's a huge number. You probably need to get rejected something like 30 times to get a date. To, to get laid, I should say. You probably need to get rejected. If I just think back over my numbers, it's something like, I don't know, 10 rejections to get a date, maybe 20 at the most, which isn't even that big. If you're looking to get a new client, you probably need to email 20, maybe 30, like cold emailing 20 or 30 people, depending on how good your outreach email is, 20 to 30 people before you get a new client podcasts that I've been on and magazines that I've been featured in because I've had my photography featured in magazines. I, I literally have a spreadsheet where I've kept track of all of this. 
It's about eight emails that I send before one person says, yeah, I'll feature you in my magazine or yeah, I'd love to have you in our gallery or yeah, I'd love to do an interview with you. It's about one in eight. But by embracing that rejection, embracing that failure, it gets you to those successes much quicker. So rather than framing success as your metric and your goal, so rather than saying, I need to get in a magazine or I need to get a girl's number or I need to get a, a, a new client, make it your mission to get rejected. Like say, I will get rejected 10 times this week. I need to get to 20 rejections. And don't self-sabotage. Like don't like deliberately seek out those rejections but by putting yourself in there and putting yourself on this conveyor belt so to speak imagine you're on a conveyor belt in a factory and your only mission is to just get the numbers through this is all a numbers game you want to just keep churning out through that factory and that conveyor belt as many approaches or emails or pieces of content whatever it is you want to just keep churning them out and when you get through like 20 congratulations you'll probably have some success in there So make your mission to do rather than to be perfect. The only way to get a perfect product, and I use the word perfect in air quotes, the only way to get something half decent is to just do a ton of it. The only way to get a girlfriend is to talk to a bunch of women until one of them likes you and is single and gives you her number and wants to go on a date. The only way to get a new client is to just email a bunch of people. The only way to get listeners to your podcast is to just do a bunch of podcasts. The only way to... Start a new blog. Okay, the only way to to start a new email marketing list is to reach out to 50 people and say, hey, I'm starting a new marketing campaign or I'm starting a new blog around this topic. Is that something you'd be interested in? Just ask 50 people and some of them will say yes. So put yourself out there. Don't stress about being perfect. Take action. Yeah. And do you see how, let's tie it back in. Do you see how... This whole point that I just, this whole tangent I just went on, which was a, I'm pretty, that was a pretty decent tangent. I'm pretty happy with that. That came from dead silence, from me sitting there going, shit, I can't even think of what to say. So do you see how just by doing, by throwing yourself in there and being unafraid of failure, because that was technically a failure. We can say me sitting there for 10 seconds with nothing to say is the definition of a failure on a podcast. But by being okay with those failures and accepting that they're going to happen, something beautiful can be born out of those. You may sit there trying to write a piece of content every day or draw a piece of artwork every day. And maybe you sit there for an hour and you can't think of anything to fucking draw. And so then you get really frustrated and you do a drawing about how frustrated you are. And it turns out to be something fucking awesome. I've written a ton of articles that were literally about how hard it is to write articles. My very first article on my blog was called Give Yourself Permission to Suck. And it was literally about how I couldn't start and I couldn't think of what to write. So I wrote an article about the fact that I couldn't write an article. The second of these podcasts that I've done was called Give Yourself Permission to Suck. Redux. And... That was literally a podcast about how my podcasts suck, and that's okay. So embrace the fact that you are sometimes going to suck. If we want to tie it into something like talking to girls and going on dates and getting laid and all that sort of stuff, embrace the fact that some of the girls that you talk to, it's going to be a little awkward. And some of those moments, she will still give you her phone number. And you will go on a date and you will find it hilarious that this awkward, terrible approach that you did and this awful conversation that you had with her, this awkward, weird, strange conversation will result in you two dating. And that has happened so many times in my 365 project with the photography one that I did. There were so many days where... I thought, I can't do a good photo today. This is awful. I have writer's block or photographer's block, whatever you want to call it. I can't do anything today. And I would channel that. Sometimes I would just sit there in that frustration and just let myself be there. I would just sit in that uncomfortable feeling. And after an hour, something would come to me. Other times, nothing would come to me. And then I would do a photo about the fact that I didn't have any photos to do. I've done a bunch of photos where I, like there's one in particular, it was, I kind of, I really like this photo. It was me holding a sign saying, no photo today. Like I literally can't think of a photo today. So I'm going to do a photo of me holding a sign 
saying, I can't do a photo today. And that was one of my better photos. Like I did this huge amount of Photoshop work. I shrunk myself down. So I was like a tiny little person. I edited myself. So I looked like a tiny little midget holding this little sign, you know, with a cute little teacup and a teapot next to me. And it was a really good photo. It turned into a really good photo and people really liked it. They said, this is a great photo. It was a photo about not being able to do a photo. And my very first article, Give Yourself Permission to Suck, a bunch of people have told me that was a great article. You can go and read the comments on that. They were like, this article really doesn't suck, even though you said this article sucks. A bunch of people are probably going to listen to this podcast, which was messy and disorganized, and I have no notes. I had no plan where I was going to go. And a bunch of people are going to say, this podcast really helped me. I don't expect this podcast to change the world, but if this podcast, this particular episode, helps three people, fucking awesome. If it helps 10 people, bloody amazing. If it ends up helping 100 people, oh my fucking God. Is that not the definition of changing the world? Little bits at a, at the, little bits at a time, step by step, baby steps as I always talk about in the Slight Edge book. Get it done. Go out there, make some content. Be unafraid to fail because you are going to fail if you set yourself a giant task like doing one piece of content or whatever it is every single day, you're going to have days where you fail. That's inevitable. Nobody is perfect for 365 days. Nobody can think of content for 365 days. Nobody can feel good or feel like doing something for 365 days. Just shut up, do it, see what happens. And I promise you by the end of it, something magical will happen. You'll look back and you have this portfolio of 365 achievements, essentially, because every day you wake up and do something is a fucking achievement and it's progress. And it will absolutely be worth it. I think I'll wrap up here. This has been a pretty decent podcast. I'm pretty happy with it. It's not perfect. It doesn't need to be. You will rarely be perfect. I, I like where the discussion went. There's a fire truck going past. Bye-bye, fire truck. Yeah, I like where this went. I'm going to keep these relatively unstructured in future because I need to practice letting go of this idea that I have to be perfect. And I think when I have notes and a script, it just makes me anxious and neurotic. It makes me overthink it. If it's a little more free-flowing like this, I can relax and just have a conversation with you, the person listening. I feel more like I'm chatting to you rather than I'm speaking at you. When I have notes, it makes me feel like I'm giving a sermon or like I'm, I'm yelling at you or something. I, I don't really like the way that feels. I think these are better if they're a conversation between you and me and I feel more calm. I feel very calm right now doing it in this way. So I'm going to keep this up. Some of them will be structured. Some of the episodes will be structured and I will have notes and I will have like an agenda, particularly when I have people that I interview. I will try and keep them a little more relaxed, but yeah, we'll see how we go. All right, guys, peace out.